Hi there. This is Andrew Burkham, producer at the Phoenix Podcast Network and one of the hosts of Phoenix Talk Radio, which you're about to hear. Now, I have to start this week off with a little bit of an apology. We had, uh, we, uh, as you know, we are breaking some new equipment in here at the Podcast Network. And as a result, we had a mishap during recording this week's Phoenix Talk Radio, which caused us to lose some audio from the first portion of the show. So, Fortunately, because the discussion was so good, I was able to rescue some audio from some of the other microphones that we have in the room during the live show. Unfortunately, this means that the quality, the sound quality for about the first nine minutes of the show is not great. So I apologize for that, but I did want to preserve the conversation because I thought it was good. So please hang in there for about the first nine and a half minutes of the podcast here. I promise the sound gets better. If you can't stand it, just skip to about nine minutes and 26 seconds and you should be able to pick up from there. Sorry about that again. And thanks for listening. And now with no further ado, Phoenix Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Talk Radio. It's that time of week again where we sit down and we talk about all of the news, reviews, the events, and all the good stuff that's going on here in the California Central Valley uh, in the art scene. I'm here once again with my friend Rob Hypes. Hello. How's it going, Rob? It's going great. Good. I'm happy to be here. What's the latest, man? You know, just been trying to stay uh, busy, uh, having a lot of things happening with uh, Phoenix and then... The other, the, the multimedia production company, Three Dads Productions, been doing a lot with them uh, the last week or so. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that, because you have. You've been all over the place with Three Dads lately. I, I understand you you shot a wedding recently. I shot, a, shot a wedding for Mr. Travis Walsh. That was amazing. I've uh, been working on uh, kind of that aspect, which is kind of a different editing process than I'm used to. Uh, then, uh, you know, working on uh, the web series, Karma Film, getting things ready to start shooting again and then in the editing room with that, like editing through kind of all the footage and then, you know, sifting through everything that we have for that. So it's, 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 a, it's a great experience uh, kind of being in the editing room, which I don't have a, a lot of uh, previous knowledge of. <laughs> So uh, the sheer act of watching that art form takes place, take place has been kind of, it's very daunting when you're combing through hours of footage and then you're like, okay, let's do this. Hey, there's nothing like learning something on the fly, right? Yeah, you know, I enjoy learning new things. So I'm, a, I'm an old dog, but I'm trying to learn new tricks. <laughs> that's, that's the goal. Awesome. Good stuff. Okay, so we're going to get started with our topic of the week. So the last few weeks, we've talked about, oh gosh, what have we talked about? We've talked about a place theater, right? We've talked about guerrilla theater. We've talked about all of those things. And our, our mutual hatred for programs. We did get into a long discussion last week. If you haven't heard last week's podcast, definitely jump into, uh, jump into that. It was a lengthy and arduous discussion about programs and bio writing. So <laughs> only the finest, spared no expense. So, but this week, what I wanted to talk about a little bit was material selection. So for a, for a theater or an arts company that exists in this day and age, and that is doing what kind of we at Phoenix are trying to do, which is do something that's different, right, from, from what is being offered someplace else. When you go to select material for a group like Phoenix, 
what do you look for and, and what's your process look like, right? I, I mean, for a lot of our listeners out there, some of, some of them are, you know, folks that are in theater production, but some of them aren't. And I think a lot of, a lot of those people have questions. Hey, how do you, how do you choose? How do you decide exactly what it is you guys are going to do as a group? Uh, you've been producing for a long time. Talk to me a little bit about what that process looks like. It, it is a um, maddening, <laughs> insane process as you, because a lot of times uh, if you're working with a, a company, a theater company, you're trying to project what's going to happen a year from now. Right. That's that's the number one thing, right? You're you're going, okay, so let's uh let's choose this season. Let's let's discuss this season and then let's project what we think is gonna be what's gonna work a year from now or six months from now or however long. Mm-hmm. Um and so that by itself gets to be kind of maddening because you're you're sifting through I mean there are there is so much material. There's so many shows, there's so many musicals, straight shows, comedies, dramas classics there's so much to choose from number one you have to have like a a really good idea of what's out there right uh, i think you have to have a really good idea of what's playing currently or what has played currently in the community that, that you're serving mm-hmm. uh, number three i think you always have to be willing to listen to what your community is saying what your co-workers are saying what your bosses are saying your supervisors uh, and then you also have to have a, a nice trust in yourself. If you're if you're the one that that's the job, that's your job is selecting the season. You have to trust in yourself enough to know that you may have, you know, your fingers on the pulse of of of, of the organization itself and kind of the direction that the organization is going. Sure. So, me personally, mm-hmm. um, I start the process by like throwing as much stuff. <laughs> against the wall as possible right and seeing what sticks okay that's uh <laughs> you know you throw things you know you talk to enough people you create insane lists of things that you're thinking of you show that to as many people as you possibly can you get their input mm-hmm. you go through you see how much things are going to cost or you know you kind of project cost versus you know income levels to make sure that you know, the the show itself can be sustainable because of course, you know, no one wants to lose their shirt. Right. You know, a lot of money on a show that you really believe in. And I think that is the the major thrust of the conversation is, is how do you mix things that you think will be good and engage your community compared to things that you think will make money and make the organization money. So that way you can still continue to produce work because if all you do is produce things that, lose money all the time, your organization will not be open for very long. Exactly. Exactly that. So how do you, how do you balance it then? Right. So how do you, when you're looking at building a season or even selecting a single piece or, or is it just a question of building a season? So do you build a six season? Do you build a, a successful season saying, Hey, I'm going to make money in this particular area, which is going to allow me to fund these these particular things that are pet projects of mine. That was always that was always kind of my goal is, you know, you, you find the things that will support that will reach a certain audience that, you know, there's this, you know, what you have to be aware of is, is the audience and your demographic that you're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. You know, certain people will come to see the classic musicals every single time. It doesn't matter how many times you produce it. You can produce, uh, you know, a Roger and Hammerstein 
every other year, people right. will still come and see it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why they're there. You know, people love to see it. They want to take their children to see this show. You know, so it's it's those classics that keep, you know, that those are enduring throughout time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's other shows that I think are important to do because they engage your community in a way. Uh, and they also reach a, a demographic of people that, you know, they don't want to go see Oklahoma again. You know, they, they, they're interested in newer shows or they're interested in, you know, we use the word edgy a lot, but not even necessarily edgy shows. They're, they want to see things that they haven't seen yet. Uh, and so you're, you're kind of, you know, weighing those every single time. Okay, if we do this, mm-hmm. does that mean we can do this, 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 and this? And then you and I have talked a lot about, well, maybe that's the wrong mode of thought when you go about producing, you know, art. Maybe maybe the, the thought shouldn't be, well, do we think this will sell? Mm-hmm. Maybe it should be, how can we sell this? Right, exactly. And that's, you know what, that goes back to seeing the value in what it is that you do, right? So if, if I believe that something is artistically valuable, and I believe that it's something that people need to see, uh, then I I think that I can find a way to package it in such a way that people will see it. Now maybe that doesn't always work out, but I think that's you know that's kind of the core of the philosophy that that you've been talking about is let's we know this is valuable, we know this is good. Let's find a way to get people out to see it. Absolutely, and I think there is I think especially as uh, audiences are getting younger, mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot more value in looking at things shows that are going to speak directly to the people that will be filling the seats for years to come. Right. Uh, I think there is, obviously, there is a huge push right now Mm -hmm. in all of the arts and theaters is to continually work towards making the programming that you offer diverse, to represent how diverse your community is, your country is. And so I think it's important for us to continue to look at works that are going to help celebrate the diversity mm-hmm. of our community and find ways to continually, continually engage the audience and educate the audience about certain things that they might not even be aware of or might not be interested in or they, they think they're not interested in. Then they come and they see the show and they're like, oh my goodness, I really enjoyed that. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I really liked it. Can you do more things like that? Exactly. Exactly. Hey, it's Andrew again. So this is the point where we were able to get the audio back on track. Due to what was going on, there was a little bit of a break. So it's a little bit of a jarring jump. But uh, here you go. Here's the rest of the uh, the rest of the episode. Okay, so now we're back after that brief break, and hey, look at that. I have a good solid, uh, yeah, I've got a good solid stream on both sides. Perfect. So, so we're good. So we're, there's going to be a little bit of a change in the sound, but that's fine. Again, I'll work it. I'll work that out later. So we were talking about, uh, we were talking about show selection, and we were talking about speaking directly to the audience that's going to be seeing the shows, not necessarily the audience that has always seen the shows, right? without entirely leaving those those other audiences behind. And I, I hesitate. I almost use the word older, but I don't want to indicate that it's in any way an age. There's no age barrier to no. this. Because there are a lot of people who are what we would consider to be on the older end of the spectrum that are very open to a lot of the new, you know, to a lot of the new stuff that's going on. Um, but it really is, 
I think it's a th- uh, an audience that's acclimated to the way theater has been, maybe in the community, as compared to an audience that's open to not 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 by comparison that's open to new things. Again, it's not a slam on the older audience, but an audience that actively wants to see things that are different and that maybe are a, a little closer to home. Well, you know, I think the whole thing is based off of the idea of the, the subscription-based model, right? Yeah. So you have to choose a season because then at that point, then you can open that up for your subscriber base to then subscribe to your season. And then money starts coming in as they're like, okay, we want to choose eight shows to the season. We want to choose the all the shows that you're doing for the season. Right. So I think a lot of times you get caught in this strange circle. Okay, we have to pick a season. We have to project what we think the whole season's going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have to sell season subscriptions mm-hmm. to our subscribers. Now, for me, the interesting question is, as you know, you and I have discussed before, does the subscription model work still? Like, right. Does it work at all? Because in theaters all across the country, that particular subscriber base is is falling. Mm-hmm. I mean, and theaters have all reported that they are they are losing income from their typical subscriber base for whatever reasons. Right. So the whole this whole conversation kind of brings up in my head like, you know, more interesting ways to do things mm-hmm. or does the subscriber base still work? Right. Uh, is there different things that you could do to make people want to come to your organization to see your events every single month or so? Right. And not be locked into that idea of the subscriber model. Mhm. I read a really interesting article just this morning about this company in Oakland okay. who is uh, – they actually just started like their pay-what-you-can subscriber series. Okay. So they have their season. Um, and from you know, what, what I remember what I read is then the, the price of a subscription is pay-what-you-can. How interesting. And so what they found was a huge jump. Mm-hmm. And their subscriber base hmm. because there was a, a large group in their community that just like, well, you know what? That's just too much for me right now to pay that much money up sure. front. Uh, I just can't do that. And so they established this pay what you can subscriber base. So then you have some people that are paying a subscription for, you know, 16 bucks. Right. Which you expect, right? Yeah. Because you and I are pessimists. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, but then you have this other group that offsets the that group. They're paying like $600 for a subscription, right? Hmm. Because they're more fluent. They have a little more money to kind of throw around. And so basically what they're doing is they're offsetting th- those groups of people that are paying, you know, 16 bucks for an entire subscription. And so what they're finding is I think the organization itself is is – actually rising and the money that they're bringing in from the subscriber base they're getting more subscribers in and not only that but they're now reaching an entire segment of their community right that can't afford the 200 dollars subscription price that's interesting i uh you know i think about there there are a few different models for that kind of pay what you can or pay what you pay, pay what you want or pay what you think it's worth right uh there are a few different things that are out there and I love the concept of making making uh, content available to that broader audience, and in the understanding that the people who do have the money to you know to pay what it's you know it's worth to them uh, will will subsidize some of that. Uh, I think that's really fascinating. 
And I also wonder, you know, what's where the difference is between like the season membership, right, which we have in traditionally in theater mm -hmm. and the gym membership model. Right. We've talked a little bit about this. Right. So I purchase a gym membership for nineteen dollars a month and I pay that nineteen dollars a month whether I go to the gym or not. Right. I mean, that's that's the reality. That's the way these guys make their money is that, you know, they're getting you for 20 bucks a month regardless. But as a, you know, as a trade-off, I have the ability to to use whatever equipment they have available to me. So I have the uh, the ability to experience whatever I can experience there, but I'm I'm paying a singular price that's something that I can budget within my budget. What do you think about that model? I think it's fascinating. The more we talk about it, the more interested I get in it. Mm -hmm. Because I, I imagine, like, I, I don't know the price point that you start. So maybe it's 25 bucks or something like that. So twenty five bucks a month, uh, and it's it's like an all access art pass, if you will. Right. Right. So you can come to see, you go to the organization, you can come to see one show, you can come to see that same show multiple times. You're, you know, you can you not come to see the show if you're busy that month, but right. you still have your pass where anytime an event is being held, right? Mm -hmm. You have the ability to come to that event. You can see it as many times as you want to. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you add some other things like a gym membership, like exclusive, you know, I don't know, like a backstage tour or, right. you know, they get to meet the cast or something along those lines. Sure. But I think that seems really interesting because like even more like for me, it's like a like a Hulu Netflix kind of business model, right? Right, right. Yeah. So here's about the amount of money that you pay per month. You get to see all the art that you want to see uh, and that's it. And that it just gets like the same thing gets taken out of your bank account every single month, same time, like, you know, the first, second or third of the, you know, of the month gets taken out and mm -hmm. that's it. You have your little card. If you lose your card or whatever, you know, you can get a replacement card. And, you know, that seems kind of an interesting idea. Like, I, you know, I, we have talked about really pursuing that, that kind of model just to kind of, you know, test it out, yeah. you know, rather than go strictly to like the, the tried and true subscriber based model. Yeah, I am. I am very curious. To, I, I think we need to continue to explore that because I, uh, when I think about the services that I pay for now, as compared to, you know, like, and I don't subscribe to any theatrical seasons right now. It's not necessarily from lack of of wanting to, but there's a there's a perception that if I'm going to pay 150 or 200 dollars for a season's worth of tickets, or you know, 100 bucks, or even what it, whatever it is, that se it seems like a lot of money, right? But I don't think about paying ten bucks a month for Netflix. No, I mean, it does not occur. It does not occur to me. So I pay one hundred and twenty dollars a year for it, and it it doesn't it doesn't phase me in the slightest, right? Right, and that's kind of what the. It's, well, I think the whole idea is really interesting, is mm -hmm. because you know, yeah, you don't think about this process, and you're like, you know, okay, well, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, it's coming out every month. Like, I'm gonna go to the gym. I I'm, I promise, I'm gonna go to the gym this month. Right. I didn't go to the gym this month. You know. <laughs> So then I'm like, okay, next month I'm really going to the gym. Totally. <laughs> I'm still paying the same amount of money if I go no times compared to if I go six times, right? <laughs> so I think it's really interesting to really think about that. And that's something that the people that are, if they're listening, would love their opinion on yeah. what they feel about kind of the subscriber-based model or like this or new models that maybe they've heard about or seen that seem really interesting. Definitely. I think it's something that definitely can be pursued because I, I think that if you're kind of going that way, mm -hmm. what you're promising is, hey, we're going to have entertainment. Sometimes it's going to be this. Sometimes it's going to be this. Sometimes it's going to be something really small. You can come see it all you want to. Yep. And so then at that point, you can 
you know, you get to have a chance to have, I think, your finger more on the pulse of a community mm-hmm. rather than be like, here's our season. Here's here's the shows that we want to do. You know, you actually have the basis. I mean, I think you should totally plan most of the shows out that you want to do as far as a, a theater company is concerned. But you have that opportunity where what we've, what we've been discussing all the time on this show mm-hmm. is the opportunity to be really current with wait a second something yes. had something something happened we want to, we want to do this we don't want to do this two years from now we don't want to do this a year for, a year and a half from now this is something that we think is important right now that we're going to do something right now about it right absolutely a hundred percent well I think that's good discussion and, and we'll need to continue to talk about this as time goes by but uh, for now I think uh, I think it's time for us to move on to our next segment. And so it's time, once again, to take a trip around the valley. Uh, there's a ridiculous amount of stuff happening right now. <laughs> so we're going to start with something that we've talked about several times already. We've got Stan State. They're doing Under Milkwood. It opened last weekend to what I understand are outstanding reviews. Uh, it, you know, it's, it is their first production for the fall of 2018. It's written by Dylan Thomas. We've talked a lot about it over the course of the last few weeks, and it runs through the 14th of October. Uh, ticket information at csustand.edu. I'm going next week. Oh, cool. Awesome. I hope that you will bring back a, a solid review for us. That's, that's what I hope. Good. Very good. Uh, the second thing that I've got going on here, and this is, this is something that popped up this last week. So it's uh, SJS Theatrical and Los Broadway, right? So this is a, a new theater outlet that's happening out in, in Los, Los Banos or Los Banos, mm-hmm. depending on how you say it. And there is a debate about that. So I'm not going to jump on one side or the other of the, of the, uh, of the fence. Uh, but they, you know, they sent out a little, a little blurb this weekend, so I'll just read some of it. It says, as we reach the end of our year of ad- education and sabbatical from producing public prod- uh, productions, SJS Theatrical Productions and our subsidiaries, Los Broadway, Workshop 44, Comedia Evo, and the Jerome School of Theater are excited to announce that we've reached an agreement and have found a home. That's correct. SGS Theatrical has a home, and we're proud to announce that we will be joining the downtown community of Los Banos. Um, We will be teaching and producing out of the Benny Crest Theater. Now, five years ago, Robert and Giovanni opened Los Banos' first community theater, Los Broadway, with the support from the Los Banos um, Arts Council. The creation of Los Broadway sparked a wave in Los Banos' in the performing arts and inspired a generation of children to reach for their dreams. Robert Giovanni partnered with Dana, uh, Dana Scribner and the SGS Theatrical Board of Directors are behind this exciting move back to Los Banos to bring full year-round regional and community theater program to our town. And then they've got a ton of programming that goes along with that. There's a school of theater. There's an improvisational uh, Commedia de Arte uh, troupe uh, that's that's on there. There's... Um, an audition-based conservatory-style workshop that they run called Workshop 44. Uh, and then, of course, you know, just their their community theater outreaches. So it looks like they're also, they have also announced open auditions for, uh, for some of the productions that they've got coming up. And those are going to be October 27th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, the address is 518 I Street in Los Banos. And for additional details, you can look for SGS Theatrical Productions on Facebook. So tell me, what do you, what do you know about, what do you know about, this group, Rob, not a lot. I don't either. Right, right? now, this was a surprise. Actually, the um, the director he sent me a, a, a the podcast network. He sent us a message on Facebook this this last week, and I I was floored. You know, it it looks 
it looks like great programming, yeah. and I've and it's obviously something that's coming back that was gone before. Yeah, no, if I, if I remember correctly, like yeah, they were there, you know, four or five years ago, mm-hmm. and then they, uh, I think, moved up north. I think they were moved up north. Oh. Okay. Um, and now, yeah, they're back, and that's great. I mean, that's great for that that community too. Just kind of starting that off and uh, getting that together and producing work in in that area. I think it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really great for that community. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that is, uh, yeah, that's that's um, that is happening out in Los Manos, and we congratulate you guys for finding a space and for for getting out there and just getting all this all this amazing program up and running out there. Absolutely, uh, it's an area that well, all areas are areas that need it. Uh, but if it's something that's you know been missing for a few years, it's definitely we're we're very proud to uh, to have a new partner out here in the Central Valley, even if they're an old new partner. So, uh, congratulations to you guys. And we'll have more details as as we get them from from those folks as well. Uh, next thing up is the PTP Radio Cavalcade Players. This is at Prospect Theater Project, October twenty seventh at eight p.m. Uh, this is, of course, again the old time radio shows that we do. Uh, I've been talking a lot to Michael Hewitt, who is the director of this particular thing, and I, I keep telling him, "Hey, Michael, uh, as it turns out, I run a an independent podcast network. When can we get a hold of these broadcasts so we can get them up and out to the public?" And so uh, this time around, he actually he went he got inspired and he went out and he bought a bunch of um, he went and bought out a, a bunch of audio interfaces and things and microphones and things like that. And so we're going to record this and and hopefully we'll get this out into the wild, but. This is our, our Halloween show, so uh, we're doing The Hitchhiker, uh, the uh, Alfred Hitchcock, The Hitchhiker, and then Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh, wow. Uh, so those are the two scripts that we'll be doing, and uh, you can find ticket info at prospecttheaterproject.org for that, so it's just a fun thing to do. Oh, yeah. It's perfect for the season, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you've got if you got a couple hours, it's usually not even that long, but if you've got some time, come out, grab a glass of wine, sit down, and just, just enjoy being a live studio audience it, for a radio Literally, if, if you are listening to us right now, or you listen to our podcast frequently, mm-hmm. this is a perfect bit of entertainment for you <laughs> right. to go somewhere else to listen to people doing a story. Yep, Absolutely. Uh, let's see. So that's coming up again, October twenty seventh. Uh, the next, uh, I this is uh, I mentioned this last week, but um, I had to mention it in the bonus episode because I forgot it on when we recorded together. Uh, there was a new episode of the Grimoire Chapters mm-hmm. on REM that came out on September thirtieth on YouTube, Vimeo, and Facebook. Uh, this is a really cool, just a really cool horror anthology series that is all Central Valley all the time. So I know you've had a little bit of contact with this. I, I love it, you know, just as a just as a fan. I like the show. Uh, tell me what you know. It, 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 well, it's a horror show. <laughs> so if that's not your thing, don't watch it because it, it, it's, it's kind of scary. It's real uh, scary. The uh, love, I love that crew. Mm-hmm. I love uh, Michael. I think he, he's a fantastic uh, director and just visionary for this. And mm-hmm. uh, I know him and... Uh, Megan Akur mm-hmm. have been kind of producing it and working on it, and uh, they do some beautiful visual work oh, with yeah. some just fantastic actors, local actors, all Central Valley actors, and so uh, a lot of what you'll see is, you know, not again, not to disparage the area that we are, but there's there is right. this thought about you know that we live in the Central Valley, like oh. You see this, and you're like, I can't believe that that came out of the Central Valley. I feel like right. that should be somewhere else. <laughs> so it's it's again another local film filmmaker just mm-hmm. 
kind of producing their their very own show that they finance and produce themselves and uh it's beautiful work yeah uh, but if you like that kind of genre i do want to <laughs> yes yeah it's very specific you you do have to be a horror fan uh, which i i happen to be but i think if you are uh you should check it out this is something that you will like again it's called the grimoire chapters uh they're on facebook what season are they in now what is the season five is, is it, it five i'm not sure i don't know season i can't four, keep track of it five? i can barely keep track of what week it is i don't know what season it is All right but yeah. uh, it's great work. I, yeah. You can watch watch their episodes. It's yeah. great. You'll be really impressed. It's a beautiful show. It's really beautifully done. So awesome. Let's see. Uh, next thing coming up is uh, let's see. So Rocky Horror at the uh, at the Showbiz Theater in Stockton. We've been talking about this for a few weeks, but information is ramping up. As I've been talking with James Snyder, who's the director of this particular program, they did. Uh, they did produce, they did release their cast list this last week. And so uh, just some of the names that they've got out there. Uh, they have Grady Taylor, who's playing Frank, and he was uh, played at Stockton Civic a lot. He played uh, Evelyn Oakley in uh, Anything Goes, of course. Uh, Perchick and Fiddler, Father Flynn in Doubt, and Hannah in 39 Steps. At Showbiz, he's been in It's a Wonderful Life, a live radio show. Uh, Nick in Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, Cliff in Death Trap, Joe in Heaven Can Wait, and Robert in Boing Boing. Uh, he was nominated for two Ellie's last year, Best Lead in Comedy for Heaven Can Wait and Best Supporting in Drama for Dr- Death Trap. Uh, then we have, uh, as Magenta, we have uh, Jasmine Tony, and she played Velma Kelly in Chicago, Ursula in Little Mermaid, and Dolores in Sister Act at SCT. Uh, she was also in Jesus Christ Superstar and Ain't, Be- Ain't Misbehaving at Showbiz. Uh, as Janet, we have Ashlyn Kelly, who is Mrs. Banks and Mary Poppins, Wednesday Adams in Adams Family, Sophie and Mama Mia, and just recently Jeannie and Hare, all at SCT. And then she was also in Midsummer's last season at Showbiz. Uh, and then a, a, a couple of other people. We've got Michael Strafford, who's been uh, in, as James puts it, uh, he's been in hundreds of plays. Uh, <laughs> he's playing the narrator. Nice. And uh, he's tons of those locally. Uh, he was in Bialystok in Producers uh, there in, in on Golden Pond at SCT. And then uh, Levi Fuentes is the last name as Riff Raff. Um, mostly works in the Sacramento area, area, as I understand, but he was just in Black Rider at Green Valley. Last year was Mary Sunshine in Chicago at Consumers College. And uh, he works at Missouri Street in Fairfield Runway Stage and Davis Musical Theater in the SAC area. So... Needless to say, there are a lot of names attached to this. There are a lot of, a lot of people with a lot of experience, and uh, I think that you know, I think the show is going to be a, a, a lot of fun. I'm hoping to get up to to be able to to check it out. You know, uh, I think every theater has that one performer that's been in hundreds of shows, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Every every theater has that that person, guy, girl that you're like, yep, yep. That uh, person's been in. Probably over 100, 150 shows. Absolutely. As like everything. That's yeah. the thing. It's not just like one particular role, no. like literally like everything, yes. every kind of part. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. So um, good cast. I think it's going to be a good production. Very excited to, to see it and to, to see the uh, to see the space for myself. Also, I understand it's right across the street from a tap room. Perfect. Uh, that serves uh, some of the some of the beers that I've reviewed on my beer review show, <laughs> and uh, actually, I think they just did a release for something that I really wanted to get up and check out uh, yesterday or the day before, maybe, and I wasn't able to sadly. But uh, yeah, so anyway, I will. Uh, I, I hope to combine a working, you know, just a working trip a working of some trip. kind. A up working to trip up yeah. there, yeah, exactly. Next, uh, next up is it's a new thing that I like to call Phoenix Rising. Uh, Phoenix Rising is all the stuff that Phoenix has got going on right now. So, uh, what rough beast 
slash quick exposure 2.0 is coming to the Mac from Phoenix Creative Collective. That's October 13th. And we've talked about it again. This is a fusion of dance. There's poetry. There's music. We have singer-songwriters, we have composers, we have choreographers all coming together at this one night to do a, a one-night-only uh, just explosion of art. So we have anything to add this week other than that that uh, you put out a little trailer that looks awesome and creepy. <laughs> it just looks really creepy. So weird. It's like all the pictures, too. Sean Overton yeah, uh, took uh-huh. all the pictures, and he did an amazing job. Those were some beautiful oh pictures gosh. that he took. Yeah. It's just very creepy. But I think uh, uh, it's uh, – I did get to watch a little bit of uh, rehearsal uh, when I was taking a little bit of the trailer. Mm-hmm. It was great. Those 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 performers are fantastic, dancing, singing. Uh, they so much more skilled at this point <laughs> in their life than I will ever be in my entire career in right. theater. So I uh, was really impressed by the work that I saw. I think it's going to – I'm coming back in to see their kind of final rehearsal to kind of – you know, talk to them about kind of some lighting design choices and see what we can do for that. But I think it's going to be really, really, really cool. Awesome. I am very, very excited uh, for that. That will be a very good thing. The next thing that we've got coming up is um, auditions, right? We have auditions coming up for yes. uh, for Phoenix. So this is Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. Uh, this is the 15th and the 16th at 7 p.m. at the MAC. And uh, just our blurb from the website is Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson follows America's seventh president from his early days as a child on the wild frontier to his controversial reign in the White House. With the country divided into rich and poor and with continued skirmishes with the Native Americans upsetting pieces of the new world, Jackson begins his steady climb from military strategist to populist rabble rouser to president of the United States. Spoiler uh, for those who did not know that Andrew Jackson becomes... The president of the United States. It's been ruined. Yeah, sorry, folks. Sorry about that. Along the way, he meets his wife, Rachel, takes on the founding fathers, and rocks like no political figure has ever rocked before. Bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson creators Michael Friedman and Alex Timbers cook up an alternate universe and draw parallels to today's political populist landscape with their musical about the seventh U.S. president. For more information, you can just look up uh, the Phoenix Creative Collective on Facebook.com or shoot us an email at phoenixccmerced at gmail.com. Tell me more, Rob. Uh, well, it's a it's um it's a rock show, right? Uh, and it is, yeah, it's a kind of a rock show about Andrew Jackson and what they did. It was it's really funny. The show's hilarious. Uh, the music's fantastic, yeah, it and it, it uh, and it really um really makes you think about where we're at in our current political state. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, well, one, I think the blurb uh, was when Andrew Jackson first came out, which I think was. Oh, 2004, maybe 2005, yeah. something like that. And so you're like, oh, wow, this is really appropriate for our country right? when it first came out. And then, unfortunately, I listen to it and read it now. I'm like, oh, no, actually, it is so much more appropriate now exactly. uh, than we ever thought it could be. So, you know, there are definitive parallels that you can draw between Andrew Jackson and our current president. And, uh, you know, it's not that we're necessarily entering the political ring, but we obviously have something to say. And we're going to say it with a... Piano, drums, and a rock guitar. That's the way to do it. If you got to say something, say it with piano, drums, and a rock guitar. So join us for those auditions uh, October 15th and 16th. Again, all the uh, the roles and everything are listed on our Facebook page there. So just look up Phoenix Creative Collective on Facebook. You will find us there. Uh, and then, let's see, last but not least, we have on the October 20th, we have Phoenix and Chill. Yes. Right? Phoenix and Chill. This is, um, it's at the Mac again, and... This is this is just a chance for people to come chat up the Phoenix Creative Collective, 
to just have a conversation about art and what it is and what what we're doing and what people want to see and what people want to do. And then afterwards to hear a, not a stage reading, but a, a, a live reading of one of the, uh, the, one of the, cl- one of the classics, right? One of the film, the classics one of the of greatest the film. films yeah. of all time. Yeah. It is uh, something that's, that's deep, deeply embedded I in the canon of American I watched it just the other day Did and you really? cried my entire way through I'm it. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I, I can honestly say I've never been able to make it all the way through that that film it's without, without just, yeah. getting without getting just so without having an emotion up. right yeah, without an getting emotion. Just, yeah you, you've had to yeah i agree i've it's, had to turn it off it's been difficult yeah. It's, yeah. you know i get so caught up in my emotions that i have trouble actually making it through the entire thing yeah so i hope that everybody will come out and join us for that because it's going to be it's going to be well worth uh it's free. So uh, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I was going to say it's going to be well worth the price of admission, but the admission is free, so free. that doesn't seem right. Well, it's it, then it will, under all circumstances, will it be worth the price of admission? Yeah. Uh, however, I I I feel that you will be enriched far beyond that. It will be worth much more than the free price of admission for you. Absolutely. Yeah. So that is uh, Phoenix and Chill. That's coming up October twentieth. Uh, we're going to end this segment uh, and and this show this week uh, with. Uh, Another new section of Around the Valley that I like to call the podcast corner, right? So we're, <laughs> we have podcasts, but there are a lot of podcasts that are going on out there. So uh, first, you know, I just want to I want to throw another plug out there for the Operation Podcast uh, that la- that launched just last week, just last Saturday, and uh, it's really taken off. A lot of people are listening to it. A lot of people are very engaged with it. It is uh, again the Operation Podcast is. It is an interactive audio drama, so every show has puzzles for you to solve, and when you do solve, uh, there is more content that is available to you than than what people who don't solve the puzzles will get. So, very interesting. Uh, yeah. I listened to it on the way up here today. Oh, I nice. loved it. You you figure everything out on yep. the way up here. Okay. I, I figured absolutely everything out. Awesome. Just, That's impressive. I know everything. I know where it's going, uh, and, uh, you know, I, all I can say is... Um, um, five three one nine zero one nine five a, and and really that's all you can say about it. Very very well very well said. <laughs> <laughs> so check out the Operation Podcast. It's on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, for more information, you can go to facebook.com slash podcast phoenix as well and find all the information about our fine shows. Speaking of our fine shows, uh, the Dueling Disney Podcast, which just recently has joined the Phoenix Podcast Network. Uh, a great, outstanding, existing podcast that's that's come on board as a partner. Just had a new episode that released uh, the other day as well. And this one featured, uh, it, it explores the Disney Vacation Club. <laughs> okay. Do you know about the Disney no, Vacation I don't. Club? Okay, so I'm going to give you, uh, I am, listen, uh, uh, those, they are, they are the Disney experts around the Phoenix Podcast Network. I, you know, I know a very little bit, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you what's probably a very uneducated uh, version of this. Uh, but essentially what the Disney Vacation Club is, is it's Disney's version of a timeshare. Okay. Right? So you pay into this, you purchase this, and you supposedly own a piece of the, you know, the magic. And then you uh, you get to go to various different resorts and stay there with your, you know, with your, your points allocation. So it's it's essentially a Disney timeshare. So, oh. yeah, so I'm really curious to hear what their perspective on that is. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's uh, that's Dueling Disney podcast. Uh, you can find that at duelingdisney.com. 
That's the easiest place to find them, and they're also available wherever you find fine podcasts. Uh, number three on this list is Geeking Out, a Steal This Idea podcast. Uh, Noel and I just sat down this week with uh, Joel Scott Shade. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, just a little bit. Yeah. No, I've, I've no, I know of, of him. Yeah, maybe you've met him. Uh, Joel is a great guy. He's served as musical director for many, many shows that we worked on uh, over the course of the years and has done just generally just amazing things in the world of music around the Central Valley. I think we can agree. Yeah, he's yeah. been really active. He's a, he's great. And he's got a really interesting just uh, life story, too, mm -hmm. which I don't think a lot of people get a chance to really hear some of the stories that he has. Absolutely. So we are going to get into a lot of that with him on uh, Geeking Out, a Steal This Idea podcast. Again, you can find that on the Phoenix Podcast Network Facebook site is the easiest way to look that up. Also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you sample your fine, delicious podcasts. Uh, last but not least, uh, we have a new, another new episode of the Mystery Rats Maze podcast. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but they've got, another, they've got another episode out. This episode features an excerpt specially adapted for this podcast by Cleo Coyle from her novel The Ghost and Mrs. McClure, book number one of the Haunted Bookshop Mysteries, published in 2004 by Berkeley, which is an imprint of uh, Penguin Random House. It is being read by local actor Max Debus. Uh, and again, just an explanation of that podcast. In each episode, we share with you mystery short stories and mystery novel first chapters read by actors from the San Joaquin Valley. The latest book in this series, The Ghost and the Bogus Bestseller, was released in September 2018, and both books are available for purchase. To learn more about Cleo Coyle, visit cleocoyle.com, and to learn more about the Haunted Bookshop Mysteries, visit, visit hauntedbookshopmystery.com. So Mystery Rats Maze Podcast, uh, you can find them, you can look them up on Facebook, again, iTunes, uh, they've got a Podbean site, but hunt them down. That's a good podcast, and uh, I, will, I will continue to uh, tell people about it. Because I think they should listen to it. Good. So that's what I have for that. Uh, that's all I've got. Am, am I missing anything? Is there anything else that's going on out there right now that I that I have not thought of or that no one sent me? There's a uh, there's let's see there's so much going on. Mm -hmm. uh, Playhouse Merced is opening Little Shop of Horrors uh, this weekend. Was that they just opened? Right. They just opened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I we mentioned that or I mentioned that last week. I think on the show. So that that runs for uh -huh. three weeks, and I think they have a special performance on Halloween. Mm -hmm. We didn't get a message from Colton for this week. He sent me one last week, and the focus was really uh, along their uh, their Day of the Dead celebration. Which I walked in. Uh, I've kind of been helping a little bit, kind of help set that up. It's gonna. It's looks amazing in there. It, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. It looks really cool in there. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, he told me this is one of their like this is one of their biggest deals per year every year. Um, so definitely get out and check that out. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Well, that is uh, that. Puts a wrap on another show for us. Thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, just as a reminder, Phoenix Talk Radio is a production of the Phoenix Podcast Network. Phoenix Podcast Network, you can find us online on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcastphoenix. You can tweet us at podcastphoenix. You can email us at the Phoenix Podcast or at Phoenix Podcast Network at gmail.com. You can even call us now uh, because we have I'm set up a phone number for us, uh, but I don't know what it is. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes and, uh, and you can call us when you want. 
The Phoenix Podcast Network is an affiliate of the Phoenix Creative Collective. The Phoenix Creative Collective is a group that is dedicated to promoting the fine and performing arts in California's Central Valley and working along with other arts organizations as a partner to make as much art as can possibly happen, happen wherever it needs to happen. That's what we do. So you can find us online at uh, phoenixccmerced at gmail.com. Uh, search for Phoenix Creative Collective on Facebook. And you can tweet us at phoenixccmerced. Right? Sounds great. Perfect. That's, that sounds great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. We hope we'll see you again next week. And in the meantime, between now and then, get out there and make or at least experience some art. <laughs>